Welcome to the Next Leadership Academy podcast hosted by Chad Jones and Cody Phillips. For those of you who are first-time listeners, the Next Academy was specifically designed for construction professionals and the unique challenges they face. Wherever you are on your construction leadership journey, we have a pathway built for you. Over 50 classes with an empirically-based curriculum leveraging modern technology to deliver the most user-friendly experience for each and every participant. The overarching goal of Next is to help, to help contractors become more sustainable and profitable long into the future. The feedback from our participants has been overwhelmingly positive, and I encourage you to consider walking alongside your peers on this leadership journey. Please visit our website at www.nextleadershipacademy.org to learn more. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Oh, have I got your attention now? Have I got your attention now? Well, let's officially fire this thing up for 2024. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Next Leadership Academy podcast. I'm Cody Phillips, joined as always by my co-host, Chad Jones. We've got an absolutely awesome episode for you today to kick off our 2024 series. It's hard to believe, but this is season seven of the Next Academy podcast, And I want to say thank you so much to all of our listeners over the past six years. We grew 15% in 2023 and were listened to in eight countries, which is mind-blowing. Humbled and beyond grateful that you choose to spend your valuable time with us on this podcast. So thank you for that. I advise you as I do each of our full-length episodes, to grab those notepads, a fresh pencil, and get ready to take this in. As you all have grown accustomed to over the years, Chad and I will be discussing a leadership book that we feel can make a significant impact on your life on both a personal and professional level. Today, we're diving into The Resilient Life by Dr. Susan Bialy Haas. In today's episode, we're afforded the incredible opportunity to have Dr. Susan join us to help really weave some of her concepts into the fabric of the construction industry. Our guest today is an award-winning medical doctor, health and wellness expert, coach, speaker, and author. She helps people worldwide reduce stress, prevent burnout, improve mental health, and live with increased wellness and resilience. Now, I don't know about you listening, but that sounds like a much-needed recipe for success in the new year. She overcame burnout herself, both burnout and depression at the beginning of her medical career, quickly becoming an internationally recognized influencer in health and well-being. With over two decades spent studying wellness and resiliency, 20 years of clinical experience with thousands of patients, and more than 10 years coaching high-performance clients worldwide, she expertly applies her experience and skills to equip people to live better lives. Don't we all want to live better lives here in 2024? 
at least if you're listening, I certainly hope you do. Uh, the book we'll be diving into today, The Resilient Life, was released in fall of 2022 and is full, just absolutely packed with tangible takeaways for each of you listening today. It offers a wealth of insights for navigating life's challenges and building a fulfilling existence. We are so excited to talk to you today and share this book with our audience. First, from both Chad and I, thank you so much for being with us today. It has taken months, feels like years, uh, to get on your busy calendar. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. How are you doing, Dr. Susan? I'm great, actually. Yeah, I'm actually having surgery tomorrow. <laughs> but I was, oh, wow. because it's taken us so long, and I'm great. I am totally fine. It's a pretty minor surgery. But there was no way I was canceling this. I've been really looking forward to it. And I'm, it is a great distraction, actually. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you again for being here today. And obviously, we wish you the best on your procedure tomorrow. There's so many concepts and strategies in this book that I want our listeners to know about. The construction industry is hard. You know, whether you're out in the field or in the office, it's a consistent high pressure environment. And I love that we're kicking off our year with this book and with you as our guest. So my first question for you is about the concept of shifting from passion to purpose and why the traditional, quote, follow your passion advice that we've received over the years and is still preached commonly and quite heavily on social media may not be the best advice in today's world. Tell us about shifting from passion to purpose. Oh, well, first of all, I want to say how excited I am to be having this opportunity to speak into leaders within the construction industry. I have such a heart for this industry, actually. I've had the opportunity to, to speak to some groups related to it. And um, I was I was really surprised actually to learn um, how much stress there is and how important this piece of resilience and mental health are. And so I really I want to bring that to our conversation today. And with respect to the passion and purpose piece, that's something that I've been writing and talking about for a really long time. In fact, when I was younger and a bit more naive, I, I thought that everybody had to find their passion and that you weren't fully alive unless you were following your passion. I was drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And, right. and it's not to say that there isn't a place for that. Because if you can connect with and identify what you're passionate about, and if you can follow that, if you can bring that into your life, why not? Right. It's it's still something that's worth doing. But I find that where we can run into problems with pursuing that and focusing on it excessively is that life is hard. The construction industry is very challenging. Times are very challenging. And so we may start to despair if we feel like I can't generate this sense of passion. I can't connect to it. Does this mean that my my life isn't worth pursuing because I haven't got this piece figured out. And I would say, absolutely not. In fact, this purpose piece, which is closely related, but which is really more, more pure, it has more depth, and it's also much easier for everyone to connect to. Um, that is, a, is what really sustains us the most 
during difficult times, we also know that being able to connect to a sense of purpose, and there are so many ways to do that. That's why I love this topic as well. But the more that we can connect to a sense of purpose, and it can be in our work, but it doesn't have to be in our work, the better our health is, the less likely we are to burn out. And also the, the longer we're likely to live, the better mood, the better mental health we're going to have. It, it is really, really so important to connect to that purpose. It's great that if you, if you can have passion at the same time, but it's absolutely not necessary. I love that advice. I really do. It's my belief that when we chase something bigger than ourselves, when we are intentional in our purpose, in our contribution, in our service to others, our relationships, both at home and work, we really do have an internal and external shift from just passion to a a greater purpose. And I love that idea. I love that idea. And, And I think it's a lofty goal for our listeners in 2024 to to begin to shift from passion to purpose in their personal and professional lives. Yes, yes. And I I think that this timing at the beginning of the year is perfect to start thinking about like where does your greatest sense of purpose come from? And it doesn't have to be something big and flashy and splashy, especially if you're going through a challenging time. It can be something really small but huge at the same time, like I'm going to be the kind of leader uh, that listens, that cares, that creates a better culture, um, that shifts the culture. It, It can be so simple, yet so powerful. So Dr. Susan, I agree it is a perfect time of year to to have this conversation and certainly for us to spend time on your book. And as we've already highlighted, the construction industry um, not unlike other industries like finance and healthcare, our numbers are not great on the mental health side. We've yeah. had we've had our issues, and um, that is tracked by our national organization. And of course, the um, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the the electricians themselves, pay attention to those mental health issues and to those numbers where we've fallen short. It's a very serious topic, and it's something that if we can call attention to the folks that listen to our podcast. Many of them are contractors or in higher management positions within the contracting company, but we also have folks that are in the field actually doing the work to, to pay attention to these things. And one of the things in, in your book um, that jumped out to me was this concept of the difference between depression and normal low mood. It's not that all, all that common as you can see partly out the window here in Pittsburgh. It's pretty gray here in the winter and, um, and the weather can be a little rough and Certainly when there's not a lot of sunlight and, and it gets darker earlier, from time to time you can have low mood or maybe it's a work thing. And, but understanding the difference between low mood and depression, and how would you speak to that? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought this up. Um, it is true, and I, I already re- alluded to it earlier, um, that because of the environment in the construction industry, and as you pointed out, there are lots of other industries that experience it. But I I think like for me, I was more surprised to hear about the uh, quite significant mental health challenges that tend to exist in, in the workforces uh, because it's not obvious like with healthcare and, and healthcare workers having gone through COVID and all of that, it's obvious that there'd be enormous amounts of stress and 
the causes of the stress and what creates the vulnerabilities in the construction industry, it's more, it's more subtle, but the, the culture historically is a big contributor to it. And I don't see this as a stain at all on the industry. I actually find this really exciting to be measuring this and understanding it and looking at what the things are that are causing it. And a lot of these things are things that have gone on for a really long time, like uh, what they call the tough guy mentality, excessive self-reliance, hazing, ways of treating each other. Uh, And it's time to change all that. And this growing awareness about mental health, it's giving leaders and every person in, in a workforce at a job site, opportunities to support each other in new ways and create a new kind of working culture, uh, which is very, very exciting. And I know at Next, you're very much about that. Like, what what are the ways of the future? And so this is, for me, this is a very positive subject, actually. And your question is also a very good one about what's the difference between low mood and depression? Because with all this emphasis on mental health challenges, which again, I think is a good thing that we're we're looking at this so much more, but then also the pendulum can swing too far where, where now people are experiencing a low mood or a bit of the winter blues and they may start to worry, oh gosh, like, am I, am I depressed? Or they may even refer to themselves as depressed when they're not. And so generally the difference between regular human emotions and we're all going to feel anxious, we're all going to feel sad, or low. Um, we're going to have good weeks. We're going to have bad weeks. And that's just part of the human experience. And and part of becoming mentally healthy is actually acknowledging the way we feel and leaving room for ourselves to kind of go up and down with life day to day. But when it starts to be a chronic situation, like when we diagnose clinical depression in someone, it will typically be, and there's somewhat arbitrary, these lines that we draw, but it'll normally be that you've had a, a significantly low mood for more than two weeks. And it doesn't mean that you're kind of bummed out. It's it's like, this is significantly affecting your life. It's affecting your functioning. It's affecting your ability to do your work. It's affecting your relationships. It's affecting your ability to get out of bed in the morning, or maybe your ability to sleep your ability to concentrate. And so the key is really with any mental health situation, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, maybe it's even trauma, the symptoms that you're experiencing because you witnessed an accident or maybe you had an accident and now now you're really, really anxious about that and you get triggered. It's about noticing how it's affecting you. And if it's really starting to affect, especially because construction, if you're on the field, it's obviously a, a high risk industry. If you're noticing that it's affecting your ability to stay safe or to do your job well, uh, that's really when you want to seek out that support, seek out that help. That's actually one of the risk factors for the higher levels of mental health challenges in construction is that because of that self-reliance and also the stigma around this stuff that people are often really hesitant to go get help and support. And that's a big problem. So we need to normalize that. Well, it's an important thing. And and before Cody jumps in, I'm going to follow up on that with another question. But yeah. before I get to that, we we think it's really, really important um, for the individuals, certainly that listen to this podcast, but in our industry to, to realize that you, you can't lead the people in your organization or in the field if you don't know what's going on with them or what's happening to them. Yes. 
And we're obviously very safety centric in this industry, um, as many industries are, but construction, it's a very serious, very serious thing that our people come home at the end of the day. And we can see when somebody has a safety violation where they're standing on a ladder or they're, they're not tied off. However, this is very dangerous for us because this deals with what we can't naturally see. Yeah. And, and so can you speak for just a moment on how to be in an industry that, that goes a hundred miles an hour bidding jobs, everything is, everything is sped up from yes. the time it takes to take a project off to when the price is due to when they want to start construction and the job itself is accelerated with technology and everything else. And so when you're moving that quickly and, and obviously you can see things that are natural, whether they're finance issues or their job site issues or their job site safety issues. How do you take the time to also recognize and pay attention to and be cognizant to the non-existent? Yes. And I appreciate that you brought up the safety piece because this mental health piece is a big part of work, workplace safety. I'm often asked to give safety talks on the topic of mental health. And, and obviously in this particular context, it's even more important because mental health issues do affect our ability to concentrate, um, increases the likelihood of making mistakes, et cetera. But I want to offer some encouragement in the sense that even though to a certain degree, it's less visible than, like you said, where someone is standing that's easily observable. Mm -hmm. But it's generally the case that when someone is experiencing mental health challenges, there will be signs if you're paying attention. And we okay. want to create workplace environments where obviously leadership is informed and it's, it's good to take trainings like on psychological safety and psychological first aid and to know what are the signs to watch out for things like I mean, somebody appearing more anxious and tense than usual. Maybe somebody even dr they're drinking more or they're getting more irritable and angry um, or they're, they're not talking to anybody. They used to have lunch with, with their buddies and now they're not. So there are actually lots and lots of signs that we can watch for. And so as leaders, we want to pay, pay attention to these things and be having as real and as authentic connections with our people as possible. Um, someone may not be willing in front of a crowd to admit things, but cultivate those one-on-one -on -one relationships with people. Um, be transparent yourself as well, because it really starts with leadership in terms of, and this might be tough, but it's, it's, it's huge to start showing that vulnerability yourself. If you have stories yourself of experiences in your life, the more real you are, uh, the more loyal, actually, your teams will be to you and the more they'll actually respect you, even though they might make fun of you on the surface. We know that this creates really strong connections and we want to model those conversations and also encourage each other. We want to create a culture in the workplace, on the job site, where we are watching out for each other and we are watching for these signs and, and we're reaching out to each other. We're saying, hey, how are you doing? You seem a bit down today. Is everything okay? And people may not want to talk initially, especially if it's a new a shift in the culture. But let people know, hey, I'm there for you. You know, if you want to go out after work and and hang out, happy to do so. That kind of thing is is profoundly profoundly helpful. Excellent. I love that you brought up Amy Edmondson's work and psychological safety. We hit on that strongly in one of our modules at the Next Academy. And the reality is. Without the creation of an environment where an employee feels safe to be able to discuss all things, what we end up with is a group of individuals that come to work 
hiding, lying, and faking, in my opinion. And we need to be in the business of fostering an open culture that allows team members to feel empowered to contribute their best work and to openly address any potential issues that may arise, including their mental health. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to switch gears now and, and talk burnout. We have hard chargers, oftentimes type A leaders in the next academy, and this is commonly talked about as an issue amongst our community. So let's talk about how you did it how you reframed stress and burnout in your life and how our listeners can use some of these practical tools to identify personal stress triggers and implement some of these actionable steps to manage them. Yes, I had a a horrific experience at the beginning of my medical training in my ER residency training. And I did have some background in psychiatry, just basic training that they give you, but Burnout wasn't even talked about. This was quite a while ago. Uh, But I experienced what was diagnosed as severe depression, and I was having some suicidal symptoms as well. And and unfortunately, yeah, it's you probably know this, but suicide is is very high in construction. It's like the second highest, I believe. Um, It's terrible. So and that's that's part of that that mental health picture and and there even is a relationship between between burnout and depression and and suicidal thoughts and burnout and depression tend to coexist especially when you're on the more severe end of the burnout spectrum and so i i actually didn't come to understand that i was also experiencing severe burnout at that time which was untreated and i was also having trauma related symptoms which were untreated for years but I'm, I'm a learner. I'm a, I'm a deep thinker. I love to research and learn. And so once I had come out of my crisis, I wanted to know what had happened. Searching for answers. Yeah. And the more that I learned about burnout, the more that I learned about mental health and overall human resilience. First of all, I wanted to understand it on a deep level so that I could strengthen myself so that hopefully it would never happen again. And knock on wood, it, it has not to that degree ever again. Um, because of that understanding of what are my vulnerabilities, what do I need to do in my life? Uh, you mentioned uh, people need to watch out for triggers. Um, we really need to know for ourselves, when are we getting into that danger zone? And what are the things that put us at risk? And what are the things that help us to get out of it? And part of that awareness is understanding, first and foremost, really what burnout actually looks like. Because we hear it all the time. People say they're burned out all the time. A lot of them actually aren't. So you you want to watch out for for three things. And I go into great detail on this topic in the book. But the the three signs that need to be there for you to actually have burnout. One is emotional exhaustion, which can also be physical. So you're just wiped out. You have no idea where you're going to get the energy to get through your days. Number two, there's a really noticeable personality shift towards the negative, especially related to your work. So you become more negative, you become more cynical, you're complaining all the time, everything bugs you, you're burning with resentment. That's a big clue. And then the third component is that you're less productive. You're maybe working harder than ever, but you're just not able to get stuff done. And a piece of that is actually your confidence with respect to your ability to do your job. And leaders a lot of the time have imposter syndrome. That's pretty normal, but this is a, it starts to get 
to be a really deep doubting of, of maybe you should quit. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this. And I say, never make any major decisions like that when you're in a low place. Uh, because as an executive coach, I've worked with so many people that hire me to help them quit their jobs. And these are mostly leaders. And luckily wow. I have a chance to work with them in their current context. And usually what's actually going on is that they're burned out. They're actually in the right place. They're in the right job. They're in the right field. And they just, they need to heal. They need to strengthen themselves. And then they recover that passion and connection purpose related to it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I certainly appreciate your vulnerability and sharing that with us. I know a lot of people that are very negative in this industry. They yeah. must be burnt out. I'm going to bring it up to them. <laughs> they could be. They could be. Yeah. That's, right, and that's something when I work with people in trades, um, there, there often is a culture around, um, I, won't use, I won't use terms. I try to keep my language pretty clean, but, but um, kind of a habit of, of like complaining and talking about all the negative stuff and focusing on that. And that is really not good for our brains. <clears throat> it's not. So no, and, and, and it's, it's an interesting thing. I was half joking, but at the same time, I think it, I think it's a tough industry because it is so structured and, and rigid over a period of time. Yeah. And, and certainly when you're, when you're dealing in that world, it's kind of rinse and repeat. And uh -huh. the industry has changed and evolved immensely from where it was, but at the same time, it is very repetitive industry. And, and sometimes things don't change as quickly as, as those that are in it would like to see it change. And, and that can create a little bit of that frustration and maybe even burnout. Oh, totally. And that's not to say that there aren't things to be genuinely frustrated about, but we can get into loops. And this happens in healthcare where, where we're focusing mostly on the things that are really tough. And we know that one of the factors that actually can really enhance resilience, and there are very few factors that are actually individual internal factors, but one of the internal ones is positive thinking actually. And so cultivating a practice even about, you know, what is going well? What do you enjoy about your work? Who do you like working with? What did you, what did you do well today? How did you help someone? And, right. and tuning into those things can be really, really powerful for the brain and for our mental health, especially if we're struggling. Got it. Yeah. Burnout's a tricky one for me. In my personal opinion, I feel like that burnout is is kind of a result of the misalignment between the work we are doing and our core values, yeah. our real interests, and then the meaning behind that work, that congruency. You know, you can't always be on. You just can't. Are there, yeah. are there seasons in your life that it's absolutely a necessity to hustle? Yes, but you can't always be in 100% grind mode. You certainly can't be in 100% grind mode in a job or a position that that doesn't fulfill you. You know, there's a, there's a story, and I don't know if you've heard this one, Dr. Susan, but it's a story that I'm reminded of when I think of, when I think of burnout. And it's, uh, it's about a Buddhist monk visiting New York City and the individual <laughs> showing him around the city, tell him, <laughs> you know, we need to take the subway. It'll save us 10 minutes. So they hop on the subway. And as they're coming out of the subway, the monk sits down on a park bench. And the people look at him like, what are you doing, man? And, and he responds, I'm going to enjoy the 10 minutes we just saved. <laughs> and, 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 uh, oh, yeah, I can't relate to that. I love that story because many of us are, 
are trying to save time to spend more time saving time <laughs> instead of stopping to enjoy the time we've saved. Yeah, I love it. You know, you can run for a while with your check engine light blinking, but at some point you will break down. Yeah. If you're not checking in with your body, yeah. with your health, with your relationships, simply with yourself, you're heading for the repair shop. And you better hope that the part of you that's broken is a part that can be fixed or replaced. So don't get to the point of needing a repair. Listen to Dr. Susan's advice on this before it's too late. Yeah, so many wonderful things in what you just said. You brought up something super important, which I hadn't mentioned, which is that burnout fundamentally is not the individual's fault. The drivers of burnout fundamentally are, are workplace and, and work-related drivers, like things like excessive workloads and pace, a lack of control, a stressful culture. And you mentioned as well, moral distress, that there's a formal term for what mm -hmm. you described where your values conflict with the work circumstances. For example, um, deadlines are so big in construction, the fast pace you've mentioned that sometimes the quality of work might have to be compromised and that might be really deeply upsetting to people because their values are actually craftsmanship and doing things really well. That's just a simple example. Mm -hmm. So being aware of all those things, but then also very much what you just described where having that awareness, knowing our limitations, knowing where we are in terms of the scale from uh, I'm, I'm amazing. I've got lots of energy to, uh, you know, I'm just about to completely crap out and to know for yourself, you know, what's your equivalent of the park bench, right? What is it? What's restorative to you? Maybe, maybe you love to go out into the wilderness. Um, maybe you love to run really hard or, or lift some huge weights or have fun with your family, like whatever it is, know what those really high value restorative activities are and make them a priority. So there is a lot of uh, science-backed strategies in this book for building resiliency, from prioritizing sleep and healthy habits to practicing mindfulness and stress management to setting boundaries and managing expectations, from building positive relations to finding meaning and purpose like we talked about earlier. I want our listeners, obviously, to buy this book, so I don't want to go through every one of these, but why don't you pick one or two and dive in to help our listeners in the construction industry become more resilient today? I'd like to talk about the, the connection between stress and resilience and also understanding what stress really is. Because in our society, we tend to think of stress as a bad thing. Like, oh, I'm so stressed. This is terrible. Bad things are going to happen. And that's actually not true. There's so much research around this and we're learning more and more, especially recently, that stress is actually necessary for our optimal performance. Um, if we're not sufficiently stimulated, if our lives actually aren't stressful enough, uh, we will not thrive. We know that even when, when we're in that sweet spot where we're being challenged and our, our skills, our abilities, we're having to sharpen our minds to solve problems, uh, our immune system is actually strongest in those moments. And also our cells are actually the most vibrant and sometimes can even age backwards because of what they call the hormetic effect of stress. So, so when you're experiencing stress, I don't want you to think, oh, this is terrible. This is 
negatively affecting me that actually when you're stimulated and motivated, that's a beautiful thing as a human machine. However, to be paying attention to when you start to tip over past that sweet spot and you can feel that, okay, this is now starting to take a toll on me. I can feel it mentally. I can feel it physically. I can feel it in my relationships, in my moods, in my ability to function at work. When you feel that you're sliding down what we would call the other side of the curve, when you're starting to tip over, uh, you want to be aware of what are all the ways that you can resource yourself because burnout and poor health, disease, et cetera, is on the bottom of that curve where we have tipped way, way, way over beyond our body and mind's ability to cope. And that usually happens because the stress has overwhelmed our resources. And so we can counteract that and keep ourselves in that sweet spot of the curve where we're thriving by knowing what are those key resources. And there are some really fundamental things. And if you're feeling exhausted, if you're, if it's been a long season of stress, really, really leverage these things to get yourself back into a state of health. Really simple stuff, of course, like making sure you're getting enough sleep. It, if we're stressed, if we're anxious, often that'll impact sleep. I would encourage you to target that first, talk to your doctor, get that sorted out, back off on the alcohol. If you notice you've been drinking more, yeah. super, super common, totally normal to respond to excessive stress and burnout with, with drinking more because it does help in the moment, but it really messes with your sleep. It's really hard on your brain. Um, it ultimately has a really negative impact. So that's something you want to be aware of. And also things like, are, are you exercising, especially if you don't have a particularly physical job? Um, are you getting to do anything that you enjoy? Are you getting to rest? Are you taking vacations? Like, what are the things, what are the things that help you? Even just like, what are you eating to get through the day? Are you eating junk um, that you're just grabbing on the work site? Or are you actually taking time to make sure that you're drinking enough water and eating well? The simplest things will have an amazing impact. Like, for example, if you're not eating well and you start doing that, amazing how, how much better you start to feel. So there, there are so many things you can do. I love the concept of reframing. You know, so much of our existence is based on the meaning we give our experiences, right? Um, yeah. Speaking of stress, I'm certain many of our listeners immediately threw that into the negative box. And I love the idea of reframing stress to yeah. not immediately view it in a negative light, to, to treat it as a positive, to treat it as an opportunity that stress is trying to inform us and Lean into it. And I, th I think it's important, Cody, too, like the, the tactic that um, Dr. Susan throws out that you may be experiencing one or two of these things, or you may even think that you have a serious issue, and, and, and maybe you do, but if you start with the things that she just discussed to start to hone in, where are we here? Am I getting enough sleep? What does my diet look like? What does my alcohol intake look like? What are the contributors to some of these unrest or feelings. And, and then you're able to maybe narrow it down to, is this a more significant problem at, at work or is this just um, some habitual things that we can clean up ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are both great points, Chad and, and Dr. Susan. And um, I made a quick note where you emphasized that to build resiliencies, there, there is no quick fix. You know, we all want that, that 30 second fix, right? Yeah. Um, but you talk, you talk about the process or the journey of it. 
and you encourage readers to be patient with themselves and focus on the incremental progress over time. And I like that long-term approach to building resiliency. Right. And I want to add some encouragement to that too, where it is really important to be gentle with ourselves and not beat ourselves up and identify what are the small things that we can start to change and think of it, as you said, as a long-term thing where we actually change the way we show up at work and the way we think of ourselves, the way we treat ourselves, et cetera. But as I mentioned, those people that come to me for help quitting their jobs, usually the first things we work on are those small things like getting them sleeping better, getting them exercising, getting them eating properly, um, better boundaries around work, changing some of the things that they're thinking that are really not helpful. And we actually tend to see improvement quite quickly. It's quite shocking. Like it wasn't uncommon for people to stop coaching after two months because they feel so much better and they're staying in their jobs. So, so while yes, they get, they get a good night's sleep well, and then they're yeah, like, I'm like, not going anywhere. You've been sleeping six hours <laughs> a night great, you know, and you shift, you start sleeping seven, like that will fix most of your problems right there. So we can yeah, really right. get, gain a lot of ground from these small changes, which is really encouraging. And then everything else starts to improve. Well, that should be encouraging to all of you listening out there. Um, <laughs> there are many habits that you can implement that can have immediate results. Um, I'm reminded of the Robin Sharma quote, small daily improvements over time lead to world-class results. So, you know, a little bit of discipline can go a long way. Yes. And also, as you've mentioned there, to know that it doesn't have to be that you turn yourself into a Navy SEAL overnight in terms of discipline and practices. Like there is a study that showed that for people who were chronically fatigued and they weren't ill, they were just chronically exhausted. All they did was twice a week started going for slow 20 minute walks and it increased their energy levels by 65%. Like, like, yeah, it doesn't take much. It's not like you have to be working out every day. If it's just like every now and then you start taking a walk or sleep a little bit more, like 15 minutes a night, or, or if you're usually having four beer or three beer, have one or two, that will really improve the quality of your sleep without doing much. So it's these small changes and they really, they really pay off. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I could totally see that too because the walk also drives quiet time, which I'm sure yes, is really important. So much, so good for your brain. You even make new nerve cells in your brain when you when your body moves. Yeah, there's so much that happens there. You heard her, folks. Get out there and walk. It'll change <laughs> your life. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite thing. No, I enjoy a good walk. So fascinating examples throughout the book to deeply consider. And again, I encourage everybody to buy the book. Is there any tool, resource, or tactic that we haven't discussed today that you feel could be helpful, uh, specifically pertaining to the construction professionals that listen to the podcast and that are a part of the Next Academy? Yeah, I, I haven't much gotten into the science of brain health and high performance. And one thing that's really, really helpful is anything that can turn off the fight or flight response in our stress system. So I've talked about some of the practical ways, but then there's also physiological ways. And one of the simplest tools, it almost seems too good to be true, but there's a four, six, eight breath thing that I teach where you breathe in through your nose for a count of four, hold it in your chest for a count of six. 
and then breathe out for a count of eight. And the whole point there is you take a deep breath, but then you exhale for longer than you inhaled. And we know that that actually directly stimulates what we call the parasympathetic nervous system and counteracts the fight or flight stress response. It also enhances your brain's performance and your ability to concentrate and focus. So as you're going through your day, if you got a big meeting, big presentation, conflict, a really stressful situation, take some of those breaths and it'll bring your executive brain online and also calm down your entire nervous system and calm down some of the damage when we get over into the excess stress. So, so those tools are also really, really important and also quite simple. I literally do that every day. Amazing. Sometimes 10 times a day, depending on the level of stress and anxiety, but I do some form of four, six, eight or box breathing almost every single day. It's super simple and it's yeah. really been a game changer for me. So I encourage everybody so out good. there to consider it. Yeah. Yeah. So simple. Six seconds. Thanks again for joining us. Um, Dr. Susan's life work is showing people worldwide how to reduce stress, prevent burnout, improve mental health, and live with increased wellness and resilience. I hope that we've helped all of you listening today take a step forward, a small step towards the goal of real change. It's our opinion that the construction world is experiencing unprecedented levels of burnout, stress, and mental health challenges. The inevitable fallout is poor health, chronic exhaustion, strained relationships, and a decline in work satisfaction and performance. We don't want that for you. We don't want that for you. So get this book and start your journey towards a better version of yourself. We will be sure to include the information in the show notes to purchase this book. Thank you again, Dr. Susan. Uh, thank you for the personal impact that you've had on Chad and I. Thank you for the insightful conversation here today and for coming on our podcast to kick off 2024. If we can ever help you, please never hesitate to reach out. And again, thank you so much for your leadership and impact. Until next time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That was outstanding. Oh, you're both amazing. Wow, so prepared and I loved it. Thank you for listening to the Next Academy podcast, where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. As always, we hope you found great value in today's episode. Don't be defined by yesterday. Be the best version of you today. Every day is another opportunity to learn and grow. If you're in the construction industry or you know of someone who is, please visit our website at nextleadershipacademy.org to learn more about the Next Academy. Next is a unique training ground that is committed to helping participants become more prepared, dynamic leaders who can drive their company's sustainability and profitability into the future. If you're in search of personal and professional growth and ready to challenge yourself, you should consider Next in the future. Thank you so much for your support of these episodes, your support of what we are building at the Next Academy, and your willingness to hit that share button, that like button, and pass along this content to coworkers, friends, and family across all of the social media landscape. If we can ever help you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out. We're always here to help, or more importantly, find you the necessary resources that can help you on your leadership journey. Please be safe and smart out there. We look forward to catching up again soon. Until then, attack the day, own your life, and be next. <laughs>